Welcome to the MPYA podcast. MPYA is a gathering designed specifically for young adults. In this podcast, you'll hear messages from our gatherings, as well as conversations that we hope will help you navigate these defining years of your life. We hope you'll join us as we explore practical ways we can follow Jesus in our everyday lives. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Point Young Adults and subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. But with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode. felt like I needed to clear that up before we jumped in. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be with you tonight. We are in a series that we are calling Resurrender, um, which is all about recommitting, um, repenting, turning away from things and moving toward the things of God. Because we know that in our Christian life, whether you've been a Christian for a little bit or you've been a Christian for a long time, um, as life goes on, as we move through following Jesus, it's really, really easy to slowly drift away from the things of God. And so this series is kind of a calling to resurrender. It's not a resalvation moment. That's not what we're doing. But we hope that this series is you being able to take inventory on your life, seeing where maybe you've drifted away from the Lord so that we can resurrender and recommit our lives together. Um, A couple weeks ago, Clay kicked us off um, and he talked about how to resurrender. And then a couple weeks ago, Nathan talked about the fear of God. Um, And so tonight, I'm going to talk about something uh, that's really, really important to God. It is seen throughout scripture. And before I tell you what it is, I have a question and I need you to help me out a little bit. Is anyone in here still watching American Idol? You are? Who are the judges now? Do you know? You don't know? Yeah, so. Luke Bryan, Lionel Richie, Katy Perry. Okay, see, y'all still watch it. I, it's been going on forever. I don't know if you know that. It's like, I don't know which season, but it's been going on forever. Um, And I used to love it. Okay, Carrie Underwood, my girl, that was the season I watched. Uh, And then when I was about 15, I was watching the season with my mom, and I fell in love for the first time. Uh, Scotty McCreary, (laughs) he stole my heart. And not in like, like honestly, I've been kind of processing as as I realized I was going to share this with you. This is not something I really share. Um, I had this like delusional belief that like if we met each other, I really think it would have worked out. He was, I was 15, he was 17 at the time, okay? There wasn't like a crazy age gap. Uh, He loved the Lord, or at least he wore a cross necklace, which told my 15-year-old self that he loved the Lord. And so I was like, I think, I told my mom, I was like, mom, if we can just like get someone who like knows someone who might like be able to introduce us, like I really think this could work out. Um, It didn't work out. I married Clay, which is so much better, but I really, truly, delusionally was like, no, like, I think I love him. Like, I, I loved him so much. He ended up winning, uh, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, and it was great. But I will say, when I was younger and we watched it, I had this, like, inner turmoil about watching something called American Idol. Uh, and one night, I went up to my mom, and I was like, mom, like, 
I think, I don't know if we should watch this show anymore. And she was like, why? Is it because, like, the music or, like, the dancing or whatever? And I was like, I was just reading my Bible, and we're really not supposed to have idols. Like, we're really not. And my mom was like, okay, well, first of all, let's talk. It's, it's not. Anyway, she kind of tried to explain it to me, and we ended up watching it anyway because I made it to Scotty McCreary's season. Um, but... What I knew as a kid and something that a lot of us know if we've been in the church for a while is that we're really not supposed to have idols. And so tonight we are going to be talking about re-surrendering idols. Um, And I have a definition for us by Tim Keller. And the definition, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give you. And so for tonight, when I say idol, that's what I'm talking about. An idol can be anything that you think is more important than God, or not even that you think is more important than God, but maybe that you act is more important than God, or you live your life like it's more important than God, and I like this, you seek it to give you what only God can give you, and we're gonna dive into that a little bit more, but as I was thinking about this word, um, culturally, this isn't really, like besides American Idol, this isn't really something we hear a lot, this isn't really something we say a lot. I feel like if you start dating a guy or a girl and they're like, you're my idol, you would get the ick immediately and be like, that is too much, this is weird, like, Having an idol feels like a crazy obsession. It feels like it's in your face. It feels like, it just like the word that kept coming to my head is like, that feels icky. Like we don't have idols. We wouldn't purposely be like, this is my idol or that's my idol. And we also think that it's like, you know, maybe in other countries or like we read about them in the Bible and you're like, isn't it like a statue? Like we, we, we have this idea that idols aren't really in our current life. It's not really something we deal with right now. Um, but I love this quote by Dwight L. Moody. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it to you. Um, you don't have to go to heathen lands today to find false gods. America is full of them. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. So I made a list of 10 things, um, not in no particular order, that uh, I looked online, I thought about myself, I thought about my friends, and I think these are the 10 things that we make our idols. So we'll go through them, material things, your car, money, your house, something that you want that maybe you don't have, but it's like a material thing, Um, your job, maybe you're climbing the ladder, you want to be successful, so all you think about is your job, and that completely consumes you, vanity, uh, it doesn't take long for you to be scrolling on Instagram or TikTok for someone to tell you how you can look better or be perceived by others better, entertainment, you're constantly consuming entertainment, physical pleasures, technology, people liking you, your family, getting attention, or busyness. And I want to say these things aren't like bad things, like material items, your job, you pretty much have to have a job. So I'm not saying like these are horrible, terrible things, but I am saying when we take any of these things and we put it in a place where only God can be, that's not going to lead you where you want to go. So some questions that you can ask yourself of, okay, what's my idol? What am I tempted to make my idol? Where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Where do I get my joy? What's always on 
my mind, because the truth is that everyone, 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 myself included, no matter how long you've been a Christian, we're all tempted by something or some things, maybe it's multiple of these things, um, that when times get tough, or maybe you're just not paying attention, and like we talked about, that drift starts to happen, it's easy to put something in place of really where only God should be. And if we're being honest, um, idolatry actually points to a lack of trust in God. Uh, let me tell you what I mean by that. I, every single idol, every one on the list, even more, and there's more destructive ones that we know about, but every single idol actually points to a need that you have. And needs aren't bad. In fact, God made us with needs that only he can actually fill. And we turn to idols when we consciously or unconsciously believe that, hey, God's not going to do that for me. Because honestly, and I've experienced this and maybe you've experienced this, there's been times in my life where God doesn't do what I wanted him to do. And it's easy for me to tell myself like, hey, God didn't come through for me in this way. I really, really prayed for this. I really, really wanted this and he didn't give me what I wanted. He didn't come through in the way that I wanted him to come through, this hard thing happened to me, this painful breakup happened, this divorce happened, this sickness happened, this illness happened, this death happened, and, and I really thought God was gonna come through and he didn't. And so when, when you stop trusting God, when you stop putting your trust and your hope in God, that's when we turn to other things. We turn to relationships. We turn to trying to boost our own self-esteem by doing whatever, and those things become idols, and idolatry really just points to a lack of trust in God. It's deeper than just an idol or a thing or something that you put your hope in. Um, and that's been happening throughout the pages of Scripture. A little history lesson, the first two books of your Bible, Genesis and Exodus. In Genesis, there's a guy named Abraham, and God goes to Abraham and says, hey, through you, I'm going to make a great nation, and he does, and they're the Israelites. And you go through Genesis, and you're learning how the Israelites became the Israelites, and then you get to Exodus, and you find out that God's people have been enslaved by the Egyptians. And you're like, well, wait, I thought they were God's people. Like, it doesn't feel like God's people should get enslaved. Um, but then God raised up a guy named Moses. Eb just talked about Moses. Uh, and he goes to the Pharaoh. He goes to the king of Egypt. And he says, crushed it. Thank you. Let my people go. And through craziness that happens, Pharaoh ends up letting the Israelites go. And we're like, God came through. God did it. God can be trusted. But then the Israelites get into the wilderness and they decide that God's not going to come through for them. Okay. And they're like, we're hungry. We're thirsty. We're just going to die out here. And God provides fish and bread that literally falls from the sky every single day to provide for the needs of the people. And then Moses, the guy who brought them out of Egypt, goes up to a mountain to talk to God to provide structure and security and a law for the people. 
And the people are like, God, he's gone. Moses is gone. What are we supposed to do now? Completely take their trust out of the God who got them out of Egypt, provided for their every need, and they turn to a golden statue to worship and put their trust in. And if, if you're like me, you hear that and you're like, are they insane? Like a statue. The statue doesn't do anything. It just is a statue. It's not alive. It's not real. And they're turning from the God who delivered them from slavery and provided for their every need away from him to this statue? Like that's crazy if you think about it. Idolatry is kind of crazy because, because we do the same thing. We turn to our phones to provide us with something instead of turning to God who loves us and wants to provide for our needs. We turn to that relationship with that guy or girl who doesn't treat us right and we know shouldn't be with them, but they make us feel good instead of turning to the God and the, the God that loves you more than anything in the world. We turn to a job to make us feel fulfilled instead of the God who is the author of fulfillment. Truly, idolatry is crazy, but we do it all the time. And that's what we learn from the Israelites is that it's human nature. It's so natural for us to turn away from the God that we love, whether we do it on purpose or we do it on accident or we do it consciously or subconsciously or whatever. It's so natural for us to do that. And looking through the story of the Israelites, once again, after Exodus, Moses comes down, he breaks everything and you know they move on and they go into exile and then there's these prophets and the prophets are constantly like, turn from your idols, turn from your false gods, turn from those things because that isn't going to lead you to the life that you want. But there is a period in the lives of the Israelite people that actually do not have that many accounts of idolatry. And it's when King David was ruling over them. Okay, I don't know if you know about King David, but David um, started as a shepherd boy, okay, and he protected all the sheep, and then he became king, and his story is crazy, but what we know about him is that he's a man after God's own heart. And so, he has this psalm, which is in front of you, which is what we just read. Um, it's Psalm 16, and scholars call this the psalm, they call it the benefits of a life commitment to God. And so this psalm isn't exactly about idolatry, but it's about committing your life fully to God and making God the Lord, the King, the ruler, the most important thing in your life. And so we're going to go through it together. We're gonna annotate it, we're gonna study it. If you have a pen, get it out. If you have your Bibles, you can do it in your Bible, but we have these handouts. If you don't have one, there's some extra ones up here. Um, we're just gonna study this together because I don't know, but scripture does. So we're gonna look into that to learn how to beat idolatry. Okay, but the first six verses, let me set you up a little structure that we're going to go through. The first six verses are trying to convince us 
to throw away idols. Okay, if you're not convinced, this is going to do the convincing. The first six verses, why we need to not have idols, okay? And then the next two verses are how, and then the last verses are the result, okay? This is, this is fun. It's kind of like school, but way more fun, okay? So we're going to dive in. Psalm 16. Here we go. Let's do this. Verse one, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Okay, a little bit more about David. Like I said, he was a shepherd, but something important to know about David, he was in danger like all the time, okay? It started when he was a boy, he was fighting like bears and crazy stuff, and then he became king and he fought against a, um, a giant. I don't know if you've heard that story, but he is literally in danger all the time, and then he's in war all the time. Um, his son turns against him. There's a lot going on, and so David here is saying, keep me, sa- keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Like I said, where there is an idol, there is an underlying need, and the need here is safety. And God, I mean, David is not turning to himself. He's not turning to his army. He's not turning to to an idol to keep him safe. He's turning to God to keep him safe. Because the truth is, point one from here, is that God will meet your needs. So the idol that you have, the idol that, that you're struggling with, I want you to think about it. And I want you to think, hey, what is the underlying need here? Is my idol um, people, a romantic relationship, intimacy? Hey, maybe your need is that you just want to feel love. Guess who can meet that need even better? God. Or maybe your, your idol is your job and you're trying to climb the ladder because you want to feel success, because you want to feel valuable, because you want to feel important. Or maybe you want to provide for your family. All of those needs are, value, are valuable and valid, but ultimately all those needs can be met by God. And so idolatry happens when we take those needs into our own hands and we try and we strive and we try to control when the reality is God loves you so much, he wants to meet those needs for you. So that's where we start. We start with David saying, God, here's my need. I'm trusting that you're going to meet it. In Philippians, it says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So that's the first point. God will meet your needs. Why should you throw away idols? Because God will meet your needs. Verse two, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I love this. Before we get to the point, I love that he says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. It's like, okay, David, why did you include that? Like, obviously, that feels repetitive. But isn't it so true that our feelings don't always match what we think or what we know to be true? And a huge way to bridge that gap is by declaring the truth until you believe it. David is saying, no, you are my Lord. That is not my Lord. He is not my Lord. She is not my Lord. That feeling is not my Lord. My feelings are not my Lord. That's not my Lord. You are my Lord. And somebody in this room just needs to hear that you, when you're tempted to run to that idol, when you're tempted to run to something that's bad for you, you need to stop and you need to decide who your Lord is. Do you want your stuff or your job or someone who doesn't care about you that much to be your Lord? So David is saying, 
You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I love this because I, I'm, David is saying, hey, we have good things in our life. However, every good thing, even the things that we're tempted to make our idols, are from God. And so what we're doing is we're looking at the gift and we're saying, you're such a good gift. I'm obsessed with you, gift, instead of looking at the giver and saying, thank you for the gift. So my second point is that the giver is greater than the gift. And when we realize that every good thing we have is a good gift from a good God, we take our eyes off the gift and we worship the giver and the God who gave it to us. So why do we throw away idols? Because the giver is so much greater than the gift. Verse three, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. I know with certain idols, and there's so many, so it's even hard to articulate all of them, but so many idols cultivate a community, right? If you're obsessed with books and you're just always thinking about books, you can go on Book Talk and you can find a community, right? Or if you're so obsessed and, and you want to numb the pain and so your idol is going out and partying and getting drunk and numbing the pain, there's community there, right? But the communities that you find when, it, when, you're, when you're, surrounding, you're surrounding an idol is so different than the community that you find when you're pursuing the Lord, so he says, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. David is talking about other people who are following the one true God. He's not talking about the warriors who keep him safe. He's not talking about anything else. He's talking about the people who are dedicating their life to God. And he's saying, in them is all my delight because he knows that those are the people that push him to the life that God has for him. So my point there is godly community leads to genuine connection. It doesn't lead to false connection that when that idol fades away, those friends will fade away, or that activity when that ends and that, then that group of people is gonna go away, or hey, maybe you're gonna do something wrong and those people are gonna turn against you. But when you build your community and your relationships off your connection with God, that is genuine connection. So why should you throw away idols? Because godly community leads to genuine connection. Verse four, this one's crazy. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will no longer pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. David is talking about pagan rituals here that we're not gonna totally dive into because the point is in the first sentence, those who run after gods will suffer. Those who put their hope and their trust and their worship and their love and their identity in other gods, meaning idols, meaning anything other than the one true God, is going to suffer. This is true if you're a Christian, if you've been following Jesus, and it's also true if you're not. This is just a fact. When you put your hope in something other than God, it is going to fail you. And you're going to find yourself in a place that you do not want to be. Point four is simple. Why do you throw away idols? Because idols lead to suffering. Verse five, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. You make my lot 
secure. Security, security is something that we all desire. It's actually something that we all chase. It's actually something that we need, that we were created to need. And it looks different for all of us, whether you feel like you need security in a relationship, you just wanna feel safe. Maybe um, security looks like being free, having freedom, whatever that looks like for you. David is saying, Lord, you alone, you alone bring me true security. So point five is God alone can provide true security. So why do we wanna throw our idols away? Because God alone can provide that security that your heart longs for. That, that feeling that when you lay your head down at night, you can sleep, you know? You're not so anxious because of all the things going on, but you can say, hey God, I trust you. I trust that all of these burdens that I'm carrying, that all of the crazy circumstances that are happening, I, I trust that you care about me. I trust that you love me so I can feel secure because you, the God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, loves you, he knows you, and he's going to take care of you. No other idol can promise that. Nothing else can promise that. And then our last reason, verse six, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I like this because David is saying, hey, right now I have hope. Right now um, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, meaning there's safety, meaning there's provision, meaning there's comfort. Right now, they're fallen in pleasant places, and I know I have a delightful inheritance because point number six, God's hope is present and eternal. The biggest differentiator between God and other idols is there is no other idol in this world that can give you eternal life. Not a single other one. I was having a conversation with a friend and this friend was being honest with me and he said, you know, I've just, I've just really been putting school and work in front of God these days. And without meaning to, I said, wow, that's crazy that school and work died on the cross for your sins. That's crazy. Because when you think about it like that, duh. But we don't think about it like that. Sometimes I need to look at myself in the mirror and say, it's crazy that your phone died on the cross for your sins. That's crazy. Or it's crazy that that person died on the cross for your sin. They didn't. No one else died on the cross for your sins. Nothing other than Jesus. Jesus is the only one who would go to the cross so that you could have hope right now in this life, but also that you can have hope for eternity. So that's it. Let's recap it, guys. What, why should we throw Idols aside, because God will meet your needs. The giver is greater than the gift. Godly community leads to genuine connection. Idols lead to suffering. God alone can provide true security, and God's hope is present and eternal. That is what we have learned in the first six verses of Psalm 16. So are we convinced? Are we convinced that maybe idols are not what's best for us? That even if they're good Things, even if they're gifts from God, putting our hope and our trust in something other than Jesus is not going to lead us 
where we want to go. So how do we do this? This is hard because like I said, we are wired to wander away from God. We are wired to look for fulfillment in other things. It's natural for us to try and find and meet our needs and things other than God. So what are we supposed to do? Verse seven and eight, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. How do we lay down idols? Well, according to David, there's three things. Worship, attention, and like we talked about earlier, trust. Worship, attention, and trust. All of these things we actually can choose. We can choose to wake up in the morning and worship God. We can choose instead of just going on with our day or going to work or doing whatever we're doing to stop and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna worship you for a second. I'm gonna turn on a song and I'm gonna worship you in the car. Or, hey, I'm gonna thank you for some stuff. I'm gonna thank you that I woke up this morning. I'm gonna thank you that I have a ride. I'm gonna thank you that I have a friend. Worship is a choice. Coming here, you came here, good job. You chose to be here, you're doing great. Worship is a choice. Attention, I'm gonna be honest. Attention from, comes from I keep my eyes always on the Lord. This is the one that gets me. There are so many distractions. There are so many other things to think about. There's so many other things to do. There's so many other people to talk to. There's so many other things to think about. But our attention is also a choice. What we put our attention on is also a choice. We can choose to say, hey, I'm gonna stop this train of thought. I'm gonna stop thinking about this. I'm gonna stop thinking about that. And I'm going to place my attention on God. I'm gonna spend time with him. I'm gonna obey him. I'm gonna do the things that he calls me to do. And then lastly, trust. Believe it or not, trust is also a choice that we get to decide. And I'm going to be honest, like I said earlier, you may be in this room and you may be like, Allie, I feel really let down by God. I feel like I trusted him. I feel like I prayed to him. I feel like I did all the right things. I felt like I obeyed for so long and he didn't come through and now I don't trust him anymore. But the truth is, like I said, he can be trusted not because of what you want him to do, but because of what he's already done for you. He already went to the cross for you because he loves you, because you're valuable to him, because you're important to him. And he can be trusted. A couple of ways that I strengthen my trust when it's hard to trust. First of all, reading through scripture, being reminded of what he's done for his people in the past, but also 
reminding yourself what he's done for you in the past. And you might be like, God's not done anything for me. Yes, he has. You're here. You woke up this morning. You maybe have a friend or two. You had a ride here. You woke up somewhere this morning, probably indoors. God has done a lot for you, but it's your job and your choice to see it and to trust him. So where is your worship? Where is your attention? Where is your trust? And you can make some specific decisions to throw off the idols that are constantly trying to get you to care about them more than you care about God. And I don't know if you know this, Lent started yesterday, depending on when you think Lent starts. I think it started yesterday. Um, And I think that this is a beautiful opportunity to maybe give up some stuff for 46 days just to say, hey God, I I'm doing this wrong. I have done this wrong. I have been messing up consistently probably my whole life. But today, I want to make a choice. I want to make a decision to lay something down for you. So I wrote down some examples. Busyness and work, that might be your idol, okay? You want to stay busy. You want to keep moving, you want to succeed, you want to do great, those things aren't bad. But if they're more important to you than God, you need to get serious about taking a Sabbath. One day a week, you turn off your work, you turn off your work phone, you put it away, and you just worship and rest and trust that when you pick it back up, God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of it enough for you to rest for a day. Maybe your idol is romantic relationships. Maybe one that you're in that you know is not right. You know it's it's not honoring God. Or maybe you want one so badly that that just consumes everything about you. Maybe you need to make a choice to get off the dating apps for Lent. Or maybe you need to make a choice to not date for a whole year and trust that God is going to provide and meet your needs because he will. Maybe entertainment is an idol. Honestly, honesty time, I'm just gonna share a little bit. That's, I realized literally in preparing for this message that that is an idol for me. I recently quit my job. I'm a mom full-time, so it's me and a one-year-old all day. And I realize that I'm so afraid of feeling lonely that I keep my brain entertained so I don't have to feel those feelings. And God has been whispering to my heart, hey, let it go and trust that I'm going to meet your need. And so I'm in this with you right now because it's our natural tendency to protect ourselves, to not have to trust anything because we can handle it. And the reality is God just wants us to trust him. Maybe money is an idol for you, give some away. Maybe vanity is an idol. You're scrolling all the time and people are telling you how to look better and feel better and you just need to get off social media. 
I really want us to get really serious about this because if I'm being honest, as I was worshiping back there, thinking about this, thinking about you, I realized that the enemy of our soul uses idols to keep us from the loving, kindness, closeness with God. He does anything to distract us so that we don't run to our Heavenly Father and feel the love that He has for us, to feel the confidence that He instills in us, to feel the courage, to feel the purpose, to hear from Him, to listen to Him. We have numbed ourselves out because the enemy doesn't want us to feel the result of what happens when we do this, which is the last three verses in Psalm 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. There is full joy in the presence of God. My body will rest secure. There is a peace that transcends all understanding when God is our everything because he will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. We have eternal life, but also what I need to hear tonight, that God is not going to abandon us here and now. We're going to have that connection with him. We're going to have that closeness with him. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Jesus has defeated death on our behalf. You make known to me the path of life, God has a purpose for you. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I want us to do this. I want us to get serious about moving the things away that have a hold on us. And I wanna be honest right now. I know that there's people in this room who your idol is not harmless. Your idol isn't one of those good gifts that God has given us. It's something that's hurtful. It's something that's harmful. It's something that if you are honest, you don't even know if you can experience freedom from that idol. And I wanna let you know that you can. That God's purpose for your life is freedom. That his love for you abounds so much more than anyone on this earth, anyone that you know. And so tonight I wanna take a second, before we sing some more, I want us all to just bow our heads for a second. I want us to bow our heads. And if anything has come into your mind when that list was up there, or maybe it's deeper, maybe it's more, maybe you've realized that there's something that is hurting you and you realize that if you could remove it from the throne of your heart and put God as the most important thing in your life, you would experience freedom. You would experience life change. And so we're, we're about to sing a song. Well, we're gonna sing two songs. And if at any point during this song, you feel like, you want, you want to lay something down. You want to lay down an idol. I want you to get on your knees. Because sometimes we have to tell our bodies 
that we're doing something spiritually right now. We are surrendering something that maybe you didn't know you needed to surrender or maybe you didn't think it was possible to surrender it. I want you to get on your knees and open your hands and declare that, hey God, I'm surrendering this idol. I'm laying down in something that you need to know when you remove something from your life, God is going to fill that hole with something and I believe that he's going to do it tonight. And so as we sing, I want you to surrender. And I also want you to know that we wanna pray for you. You don't have to do this by yourself. So there's gonna be people in the back who wanna pray with you, who wanna pray for you. If you came with a friend and you want prayer, turn to your friend and ask them to pray with you, to pray for you, because this is hard work. It's going to require us giving up something that maybe we've held so closely to for so long and trusting that God is going to give you something greater. Dear Heavenly Father, bring to mind for every person in this room the thing that is keeping them from you and tell them, tell them how much you love them Tell them what an abundant life looks like for them and tell them that you can be trusted. God, help us to trust you more. Help us to lay down the things that get in the way. God, we love you. We believe you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the NPYA podcast. To learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at North Point Young Adults or head to our website, northpoint.org slash youngadults. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss one. See y'all next time.